So I was reading an article this last week in the Wall Street Journal, written by Lance Morrow. And if there, if, if there ever was a headline that told a story all by itself without having to actually read the article, it's this one. Headline, you are living in the golden age of stupidity. Now, uh, again, that says it all, but just so we can be consistent, let's actually read what he had to say. So Morrow uh, writes, the death of manners and privacy, I argue, are profoundly political facts that combined with other facts lead eventually to an entire civilization of stupidity. It's a short ride from stupidity to madness. Soon people aren't quite people anymore. They are cartoons and categories and identities. The media grow feral. Genitals become weirdly public issues. The sex is subdivided into a hundred genders. Ideologues extract sunbeams from cucumbers. They engage in what amounts to an edible rebellion against reality itself. Now, if you need a little bit of orientation about who Oedipus is here, he's a darling character of Greek mythology. And long story short, he kills his king father, marries his queen mother, and, uh, well, hey, I mean, I think Disney missed out on its next great hit. To say that he had issues, well, you'd have to have an interview with his mama to really find out. Because it turns out later, he gouges out his own eyes because, you know, killing dear old daddy to marry dear old mommy was just too much for him to deal with. But hey, diversity and all that, yeah? It isn't that society is on its way to melting down. It's, it, it's already melting down. Because today, fighting for truth and justice is no longer about the good guys defeating the bad guys. Today, it's about, well, you see, the bad guys, they've got feelings, too, you know. They have hopes and dreams, just like you and, and just like me. They can't be blamed for their criminal behavior. They had no other outlet to express their anger and distaste for the bourgeois. They, they've been marginalized, and they've been oppressed. Yes, it's... That all-too-familiar, I'm-a-victim-bedtime story that today is being told by the new and improved Thought Police. To stand up for conscience is now the epitome of evil because it's a product of individualism. Naughty, naughty people. Standing for traditional marriage and sexual morality is the height of intolerance and to be homophobic. To be, in believer, uh, to be a believer in God and to believe in intelligent design and to be for life is a product of a colonialist hegemony that oppresses cultures, the indigenous, the, the, the immigrant, women, and all people of color. And then to defend and protect life in the womb, that's now akin to being a terrorist. Oh yeah, I mean, haven't you heard this one? Texas and, 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 and the Taliban, they're now brothers. Yeah. The thing that gets me is, I mean, <laughs> watching my feed on social media and the memes plastered onto people's pages of Texas welcoming the Taliban shows the utter loss of sophisticated thought, honest debate, 
and raw human intelligence. It's gone. Yeah, I'm, you know, that place in between the eyes, there's only empty space there. Stupid is, is, stupid does. And this time, it's for real. It's not a sitcom that, you know, you can watch for 30 minutes and then go back to real life. No, no, no. You see, in, in, in this reality, Michael Scott is actually running the office and Dwight is actually assistant to the regional manager. It's a death spiral. And once you're caught in it, it really does signal a point of no return. Zombie apocalypse, yeah, well, the academic and the activist alike are proving it. They're proving that it's actually possible because they and their minions are actually the ones driving society into this chaos and and so many others into what I can only identify as a mindless stupor. And the claims that are made by this new regressive cultural evolution to save the earth are, in fact, a maniacal, moralist, and soulless generation. Because, you see, their brand of unity involves getting rid of those whose traditional values are the very obstacle that requires elimination. Does it sound a bit melodramatic? Well, look, believe me, this is the rated G version. And this is where Morrow, in his, in his article, concludes that he says, Stupidity is entitled to no moral standing whatever, and yet it sits in a place of honor at the tables of the mighty. It blows in their ears and whispers promises. Stupidity emboldens the foolish. The stupefied have no compass. All they have are the loud platitudes of their own voices and the mindless mob cheering them on. Good becomes evil, and evil becomes good. And that transformation is taking place right now. And in many ways, it's a done deal. You know, in the days following 9-11, in the very center of pain and mourning, even as we picked up the pieces, there was a very real sense of a coming together. 9-11 didn't divide us. It woke us up. It woke all of us up and actually fused us. And for a moment, we were actually one. And 20 years later, that historic moment seems like ancient history. I mean, it, it might as well be a 200-year-old statue that by now has already been toppled down by the highly ethically stupefied. Now their weapons seem stronger because they're screaming the loudest. Insults, um, scolding, banning, smearing, that's their area of expertise. But it's devoid of honest-to-goodness truth. It's entirely bone dry of love. Because what they call love is a cheap knockoff called infatuation. And that's all they got. That's all they have. And here's the irony. They use the disposable to attack the eternal because they make life itself to be disposable. How can you make any sense 
How can there be any credibility to what you're saying when you yourself don't value life? Life to you is disposable. And it's on display right now. A demoralized president, a demoralized, demoralized leaders who are pandering to a demoralized mob. What a disgrace to actually pretend to champion that which is supposed to be sacred, all in the name of choice, while the very principle and right of conscience is spit on day after day after day by the morally impoverished, although they would say that they are the morally superior. And forget about politics, because this isn't this isn't about politics. This, this this podcast has never been about politics. It's about what is right, what is good, and what is true. Period. The great Protestant reformer Martin Luther wrote that to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Martin Luther King Jr a once beloved champion of civil rights who is now by some of these social revolutionaries is being questioned because he dared partner and march with those who today are labeled oppressors. He echoed these same words when he wrote on some positions, cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Expedience asks the question, is it politic? And vanity comes along and asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it it right. The, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of convenience, but where he stands in moments of challenge, moments of great crisis, and controversy. Dr. King's brother, by namesake and by character, Martin Luther, said, Here I stand, I shall not be moved. I've chosen to stand. Will you also stand? The events that uh, we've witnessed over the past two weeks have been shocking, to say the least. And regardless about how you may feel about our own country and the events surrounding the abandoning of Afghanistan, because look, let's just call it what it is. It was an abandoning. And I don't want to give any attention at all to those currently in power, but want to talk about those that we left behind. Those who are now literally running for their lives, hiding from the Taliban. With the region now in the hands of extremist terrorists whose charter is Sharia, and part of that charter is the seeking out of Christians and other religious minorities to torture and kill them. Instead of telling a story where the good guys should have won, here we find ourselves with a humanitarian crisis that could have been avoided. And here we are, only a few days away from the 20th year anniversary of 9-11. And yet, there are stories of everyday people like you and like me 
who, when they saw the horrific events unfold in Afghanistan, decided to spring into action and run into the danger to save as many as they could. Just like those police officers and those firemen who ran into the danger to grab as many as they could to safety with no regard for their own lives, they kept climbing up floor by floor into those burning buildings because for them to save lives was more important than preserving their own. So I suppose that it's only appropriate that now, so close to 9-11, in the middle of another death zone where, where, where we have those who are now charging into the very death zone because for them, it's not about preserving their own lives, but saving the lives of others. If you haven't kept up with the news of the teams of private citizens, former intelligence former military, doing what good guys do best. Well, their commitment and their courage completely eclipses the cowardice of the suits sitting and pontificating in Washington. Thousands upon thousands are now hiding in fear for their own lives because of their faith. And look, to say that we're living in shifting and turbulent times, that's an understatement. There's trouble everywhere. Right now we have Ida, which created havoc in its wake, and and many are still in trouble in the aftermath of the storm. And besides all of that, an ongoing pandemic. And the situation in Afghanistan represents a significant destabilization, not just to the region, but to the world. Just as 9-11 marked a global shift in finance, and in politics, and, and in our national identity. 20 years later, the events in Afghanistan have now become an extension of what happened on that day. To the almost 3,000 innocents who lost their lives because of an ideology based in hate and darkness, we now add the deaths of 13 U.S. service members, close to 100 Afghanis, and countless more who are now being murdered for nothing but their love and fidelity to Jesus Christ and their love of liberty. Countless Christians have been driven into hiding who would no doubt, have given, uh, if, if they were given the choice to live or die, would choose to live. But because of their ardent faith, they're willing to go to their death for what they believe is right. About six years ago, I started... Live for One, which is a nonprofit to help and support those who have been persecuted for their faith. And if you've been following the podcast, um, you'll know that. Uh, it was um, a little over a year ago that I had a special um, episode that was dedicated to the um, many persecuted refugees who suffered for their faith and the many families that uh, Live for One has helped over the last few years. After the Syrian war... Um, I, I just I decided I couldn't sit idly by and, and do nothing. So many had been displaced for um, from their homes and 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 from their communities for similar reasons that are going on right now in Afghanistan. Millions were not only killed by ISIS but enslaved, who have since been rescued by similar operations taking place now. Those who were fortunate enough to escape the cruelty of these. Inhuman monsters 
were relocated to countries such as Jordan. And Live for One has been aiding uh, many of the refugee families now living in Jordan by helping them gain access to medical care, to food, to water. And and also, um, uh, we, we've also been engaging in relocation efforts for many families. In addition, we've been helping efforts on the ground there uh, to provide formula and diapers for households who have only a single parent. Majority of these single uh, parent homes, by the way, are single moms whose husbands were either killed or imprisoned. We joined with other NGOs such as GR3 International and have supported the rescue efforts of Mercury One Charities, the Nazarene Fund, who have, uh, by their courage um, and their and their work, saved thousands from death and saved countless women, mothers and daughters who had been sex slaves at the hands of ISIS. And why? Because this is who we are. This is what love bids us to do. It's the truly human thing to do. And now, as the situation in Afghanistan has become more urgent, we're getting involved. And we're joining once again with Mercury One and other organizations like the Mighty Oaks Foundation and asking that as many as can come together to participate in the Afghan help campaign that Live for One is undertaking right now will please give towards this initiative. 100% of these donations will be allocated to rescue operations to, um, uh, that these partnering organizations now on the ground in Afghanistan are involved in to rescue and extract persecuted Christians and religious minorities whose lives are now in grave danger. To this point, more than 8,000 Christians and religious minorities have been flown out of the country. But now with the airport under complete Taliban control, operations now have had to go dark in order to protect the lives of those being rescued as well as those who are putting their lives on the line to rescue them. And it's been estimated that about 10,000 plus Christians are still in Afghanistan and under threat of death by public execution imprisonment and sex slavery, and there are already reports that several Christians have been publicly executed. And as I already mentioned, there are many organizations to which you can give. And if you've already given to this initiative, then God bless you for doing that and for supporting. It doesn't matter who you give to. It doesn't matter which organization gets your money. We're all, the objective is the same. And we're all working towards the same goal. And if you haven't given, then I pray that you will give today with whatever God has bestowed you with. The world may be walking or running at this point towards a cliff, but we don't have to. I refuse to let political expediency fill me with such contempt and anger that I become blinded to the real human suffering that is now unfolding before us. Choose today to get out of that death spiral and that, 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 that we can so easily be sucked into by the rhetoric we read on social media and, and, and we constantly listen to from the mainstream media. I'm done with that. This is what separated us as a people on September 11 and continues to separate us from those who would murder 
create chaos and, and mercilessly inflict suffering on others to prove a point and fulfill some religious or political end. It is evil. On September 1 um, of this year, just a few days ago, National Geographic released a new limited documentary series on the events of 9-11. It's been 20 years. When I say those words out loud, it's, it's absolutely surreal. I mean, I'm now teaching my almost eight-year-old about something that happened that to him is just some window of time in history to study about. Just like for me, you know, when I study World War II or the Civil War, that's just a window of time. I wasn't actually there to experience and, 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 and live those events. My son wasn't there to witness 9-11 like I was or like many of you were. We're now separated from, from this tragic event by a whole new generation. But to all of us who were alive to witness it, whether you were in, in New York on that day or in, or in Washington, D.C., or whether you were watching the events unfold on your television at home, no matter where we were or what we were doing, we all felt those enormous ripples of those planes that struck the towers. And we still feel them today, especially those who were actually there, who are, who are actual survivors of those events. And for the last 20 years, we've heard countless stories. Each year on the anniversary, we remember, we commemorate. We speak the names of those whose lives were lost, those who were at work, like any other day at the office, those who acted bravely to make sure others lived, even if they paid the ultimate price for their, for their salvation, we, we saw the terror. We felt the terror. But immediately after that first plane hit, it was love that we saw take over the scenes of suffering. We saw love. We saw mercy. We saw compassion. All of those virtues, which we value, we saw all of that on that day. Love won on that day. It did. Because even as the planes hit and the fires roared inside, as, as, as people scrambled to get out, some, even without the help of firemen and policemen, they jumped into action themselves because their instinct was, I need to make sure to help others who are now in trouble. It wasn't just about their own fear. They chose to love over fear. Even if they didn't know or recognize the voices that they heard crying for help, even if they hadn't even met them before, they mattered enough to help because love would do no less. Because love says every life matters. That day, there were no protests, no monikers having to qualify color or creed. On that day, everyone was for life. On that day, everyone was for each other. And it didn't matter if you believed in God or not, it, it, you know, whether you believed in science or not, whether you had been vaccinated or not, who you voted for or didn't vote for. No, you were in trouble. You were suffering, and because you are a fellow human being like me, that was enough for me to come and save your life. But today, 
some in the medical community, are refusing to see the unvaccinated and treat them and not give care to those who are suffering because they think differently than you do. And so to the highly moral, ethical doctors, I would ask, would you have done the same on 9-11? Do not, I beg of you, do not let hate make you betray your oath and the sacredness of human life just so you can make an ideological point. Just, like, just so that you can get some attention in virtue signaling. Do not become like the cowards who hide behind their credentials and their authority. Wake up now before you lose whatever there is left of your human heart and of your soul. On 9-11, we saw true self-sacrifice. We saw the best in everyone, whether they had a uniform on or just a suit and a tie. We saw the best in people. To this point, um, I've only watched two episodes of the series, listening to the stories and, and seeing those images that I remember so well. And you know, when I listen, when I hear, when I see, I ask, I had to ask, what has become of us? What's wrong with us? I look at the supposed more connected world that we live in, And look, I'm only one tiny insignificant voice here that nobody really knows. I'm not some major influencer. But Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Google, and all of uh, your innovation and invention, the constant updates and, and all of the activism, for all of it, you haven't even come close to achieving the genuine humanity, connectivity, compassion, and love that we all saw and experienced in real time on that fateful day. You haven't even come close. In 20 years, technology has not been able to achieve what the human spirit is capable of, especially when it matters. You have failed. And I've been sucked into this viral death spiral many times online, just like many of you listening. You know, it's, it's actually taking the world back into a virtual dark ages. And 9-11 should teach us today, 20 years later, that we don't need social media to connect us to each other. All we need is the courage, the courage to love one another. If you have access to to Nat Geo or, or, or Hulu, I plead with you, watch this documentary. Because we must never forget the documentary is 9-11, One Day in America. And that one day, as tragic as it was, accomplished more in one day and in the days afterward than our greatest tech has ever accomplished or will because we saw the best of ourselves in action, even in the midst of adversity. It wasn't loud voices screaming, people in black masks yelling slogans that fall on deaf ears. No, it was people, hands tending to the wounded, feet that were stirred to action, carrying others out of danger, hearts seeing the humanity in someone else who needed help. And we can still be that today. We can still live that now. All we have to do is have the courage 
to do it. Right now, I plead with you, with all that is good and decent and honorable, please, in the name of the spirit of the heroes of 9-11 and those heroes that are now putting themselves in danger to save the lives of the helpless and those marked for death by the same hate that attacked us on 9-11, please donate today. It doesn't matter if it's $50 or $5. What we give now in joining together will accomplish wonders. Look, you don't know me and and, and I don't know you, but I believe that if it were you and I in those burning buildings, we would have searched for each other. We We would have sought each other out and we would do anything we could to save each other's lives. So let's do that now for those whose lives are in danger. There are many places that you can give, many who are engaged in this initiative. It doesn't matter where you give or who you give it to, but right now, you can give to liveforone.com. That's liveforthenumber1.com. If you go to that website, you click on the Donate button, which is located on the top left-hand corner of, of the homepage. And when you're prompted, mark your donation as Afghan Help and take action. Because when we bring our loaves and fishes, God can and will feed the multitude. And if you have any questions, you can contact me through our Facebook page at TruthReal or look up my contact information. My email uh, is, is all on the website at truthreal.transistor.fm. And you can email me directly to ask any questions or let me know if you have any concerns. But let's come together in the spirit of 9-11. Let's pray together for God to work miracles. many stories that we can tell, but right now I want to tell you about Ron and Jenny Ann. Ron, like so many others, he just happened to be going to a meeting in uh, Manhattan on 9-11-2001. It was just another ordinary day, and for no other reason or chance, Ron and Jenny's paths would cross. They would have never met had they both been in Manhattan on that same day doing everyday ordinary things like going to work and and, and, grabbing some coffee somewhere, uh, walking across the street to grab a bite for lunch later on in the day, and then walking or taking a cab back home after a long day at the office. But on this day, they would. The first plane had already struck and chaos ensued. The day was no longer just an ordinary day. 
And here is where Ron and Jenny would meet, as he tells it in his own words. People were running around, and I could start to smell kerosene in the hotel lobby. So I walked over to the revolving doors, and I looked out. couldn't figure out what was happening. And I saw this woman coming through the haze with her hands out. And I, I just couldn't figure out for the life of me like, what was wrong with her. And as I went closer to her and as she walked to me, I could see she was badly burnt. And I could see that she was still smoldering. So I brought her into the lobby and I sat her down by the wall. She said she couldn't see and uh, that there was a ball of flame. And her eyes were, were like pretty much burnt shut. So after, after a minute or two, um, after I could get her calmed down a little bit, I asked her her name. I said her name was Jenny Ann Maffeo. And she said she was on her way to work. And then she said, Holy Jesus, Mother of God, don't let me die. She said, help me. Don't let me die, help me. When I was on the floor with Jenny Ann, I held her hand and I yelled, you know, numerous times for EMS, for emergency services, for help. Nobody was coming. People were just running by one after another. And, and I, I, I got concerned. So I ran into the bathroom, pulled a clean plastic bag, and I filled it with water. And patted Jenny Ann down with it. And I could see that Jenny Ann's clothes were fused into her skin. Um, while we were on the floor, and when there was no emergency services help or aid coming, um, Jenny Ann was getting more and more concerned that she was going to die. She said, Sacred Heart of Jesus, save me. I don't want to die. And I said, are you Catholic? She said she was. So I said to her, let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our 
our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And need us not a temptation. Deliver us from evil. After the second plane hit, a rumble came through the lobby. I can remember standing up in shock, wondering, what the hell is that? I knelt down beside Jenny Ann again, and uh, I said to her, you know, we, we should try and get out of here if we can. Um, around the same time, pieces of ceiling were falling. Um, the vapor was getting thicker. You know, you could, you could see a haze, a gray haze with the kerosene smell was, was developing more. And people were just panicking and running. And somebody said, help was on the way, but we had to walk for the help. That help was on the opposite side of the highway. And as I entered the street, um, a, a fireman approached me um, with a white helmet. I always remember him and he just said, Jesus, he said, for fuck's sake, get out of here as fast as you can, run. And so I asked Jenny Ann if she could run and she said she could. And so our group ran across the West Side Highway. Jenny Ann into the ambulance. I leaned over and said to her, you're gonna make it. You gotta make it now. When time separates us from history that we've actually lived through, Days like this one. It is to our benefit that we go back and listen. To go back to learn. 
history does that, or at least it should do that. History shakes us out of our complacency. What is it that keeps us away from those who have been and hopefully still are truly special in our lives, who have touched us, whom we've shared meals with and laughed with, whom we've prayed with, gone to church with, gone on trips with. Today, we could say, well, obviously it's the pandemic that's keeping us apart. And sure, that has kept us away from each other over the last year and a half now. But unfortunately, during this other significant historic time in which we're still living in, because we've had to stay at home and and we've become accustomed to, to Zoom, FaceTime, and and other forms of virtual meetings, virtual get-togethers, birthday parties over Zoom. What are we relying on to keep us connected? Our smart devices. And yes, to have those avenues of communication still open is a good thing. And yet, because we end up relying more on our devices to keep us connected, we have become even more vitriolic with one another because now what we rely on are people's Facebook or Twitter posts about any given issue, and that is what some are willing to use just the social media posts to then make up their minds about other people, either their own close friends, even relatives, or just simple acquaintances. You've read the post and you made up your mind about them. There's nothing else to them except those posts. That's what we're willing to allow us to think about other people. We're willing for Facebook to teach us that. How much more shallow have we become? We've become so myopic that virtual reality is all we see and believe. That's it. That's all we need. We rely more on screen avatars and and these algorithms, which purposely alert others on our feed about subjects which will pit us against one another. Did you know that? You can post about the vaccination, you can post about the pandemic, or about LGBTQ issues, or whatever it is you want to post about, and just so that they can keep the other side in in the know about what you're posting, Facebook will alert them just randomly, oh, he happened or she happened to put something on about something you disagree with, you've got to go and you've got to let them know what's right. And what's been high on the posting press? The Delta variant? All the vaccinations and all of those people that are just so plain ignorant. And I and I just can't believe that a person as smart as yourself could and finish the sentence. Instead of reading a post and perhaps maybe calling up the person afterwards? Or why not actually call the person up or text the person and say, hey, uh, you know, we haven't talked in a while. You know, I'd, I'd love to Zoom with you. Maybe we can't. Maybe we can't actually meet for coffee right now for obvious reasons, right? Uh, social distancing. We're not comfortable yet. Whatever. But my love for this person should be leading me. Should be leading you to want to talk face to face, even over Zoom or just chat, to seek understanding, even if we disagree. Our main objective 
is each other. But Facebook is our new friend guru who informs us about our friends and so much so that, well, if Facebook led me to your post, it was so I could come and confront you and let you know how wrong you really are and how careless you are. And so now I don't even know if you and I can can be friends anymore. And if you and your friend were Ron and Jenny Ann, is that how much value you would put on the other person? Ron saw a woman he didn't even know, he, who was all burned and, and suffering and crying for help. She couldn't even see. Her eyes were burned shut. I mean, he could have, I guess, in that moment, checked in to see what, what she believed, made sure her posts aligned with his, and, and perhaps she might qualify enough for saving. Now, most of you, hopefully, all of you that are hearing right now this scenario would say, that's absolutely ridiculous. No, of course I would help her, or at least to you know try to do my best to bring her uh, some type of comfort until emergency responders could, um, could come. That's ridiculous, right? But, 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 but hold on, hold on. How many are now saying, well, you didn't get vaccinated, so you don't deserve medical help? It serves him or her right, being in that hospital bed, dying. Your fault. I got vaccinated and you didn't. And even some doctors are now refusing to see the unvaccinated patients because I'm going to teach you a lesson. You know what? I'd rather have Ron as the one helping me than the self-righteous doctors and medical personnel and everyday regular people finding it somehow cathartic that those who chose not to get vaccinated who are suffering don't deserve help. Who are you? And what does that say about the vaccinated? Or at least those vaccinated taking on such arrogant attitudes. That's not who we are. And that is all thanks to the advanced technology and the shallowness of mankind. That This is why we must choose to be courageous enough to love one another and stand against the indifference that leads men towards such darkness. No. Choose rather to be the light. Don't allow yourself to become so callous that you end up losing yourself. Think of Ron. Hearing the fear in Jenny Ann's voice, she cried out to God to save her, and Ron, without judgment or thought, leads her to pray the Lord's Prayer. Something that might offend someone else in today's highly moralistic society. No, but these two, they pray in unison. Two strangers brought together, yeah, by evil and hate, but who in those moments of despair decided to speak good in the very depths of hell and choose love in the midst of hate. This is true courage. This is true hope. And their story ends with Ron keeping her close all the way to the ambulance and saying, you're going to be all right now. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it. This story is in episode one of this documentary. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, 
but not in despair. We are persecuted, but never abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. These words are taken from Scripture. The second book of Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We can choose to give in to our pressures, our perplexities, to those who persecute us, and even to those moments in which we are struck down hard. Or we can rather have the courage to see that we are actually not crushed. We don't give in to cold-hearted fear. We aren't abandoned, even if the rest of the world chooses to leave us behind, and we aren't destroyed in the end. We're now living in the most awesome time of history. We are. And we are on the brink. And we have a choice. To allow ourselves to be consumed by evil, masquerading as virtue. Or to stand up and stand alone for what is true. You know, this is why we admire these lone heroes like Martin Luther or like Martin Luther King Jr. The one man they both admired? Jesus. Why? Because like them, he stood alone. He stood up when no one else would. Jesus had done nothing but go into these places that others weren't willing to go into because, you see, they were dangerous. They were full of the uneducated, the misinformed, the sick, the dirty, the unclean, the unworthy and undesirables. See, society uh, had said, they made their choices, let them sleep in the bed they made. But that's who Jesus went to go serve. That's who Jesus sought out to heal. That's where Jesus went. Into the places of the undeserved, the unsought, the unloved. He did the courageous thing. He loved them when no one else would. And he didn't want to leave them where they were. He wanted to pull them out of darkness where others wouldn't go into and show that they could be redeemed if we actually had the courage to love them as he did. And think of it. He was brought to trial before both church and state. He was brought before the Sanhedrin, which was the religious power of his day, to answer for his crimes, what they said were crimes, and because the religious body couldn't really sentence anyone to death legally, they colluded with the state power of their time, their very own oppressors, Rome, to finish off the job. So what happens? He goes before the Roman power, the state, Pilate, the governor, and Pilate actually hears him out. And here's how he starts the conversation. Are you guilty of what they say you're guilty of? Jesus answers him and says, my kingdom is not of this world. I was born into this world to be a witness to what is true. And anyone who listens to the truth listens to me. And it was then that the state power, Pilate, determines, I don't find any guilt in him at all. 
He wasn't there to protest Rome. He wasn't there to take up arms to free the Jewish nation from the from the Roman power. He didn't stand on street corners with masks, yelling empty slogans at others who walked by. No, no, no. He simply did and lived what he stood for. And he was killed for it. But not destroyed. The truth remains truth. Because no matter who tries to strike it down, not one despot or not one mob has been able to destroy it, and they never will. Martin Luther King died for the same reason Jesus did. For Jesus, it was about a much greater issue, the redemption of all men, to save them from themselves and actually give us a new life, a new promised land. Wasn't that what Martin Luther King talked about and believed in? Reaching the promised land? And where do you think Martin Luther King and Martin Luther got their hope from? From this very same man who stood alone and who was willing to go through hell so that we can live. The same way those heroes went through hell and died so that others could live. That is the spirit. That is the spirit that comes out of true love, out of truth. This same Jesus promises that he is coming again to end it all. To take all of those courageous enough to stand alone and believe the truth no matter the cost. So stand. Believe it and live. More truth real to come. Keep listening and please stand with us as we help the Afghani people today. Go to live for one, live for the number one.com and put your love into action. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Truth Reel. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can do it where all podcasts are available. Also visit us at our website, truthreel.transistor.fm. Again, that's truthreel.transistor.fm. And if you're interested in donating to the cause of the refugees, please go to liveforone.com. That's liveforthenumberone.com. Join us as we continue to help our brothers and sisters, especially during this crisis under the COVID-19 pandemic.